It's like the second page of the Bible, depending on how small or big your font is. Um, and if you did, I don't know if you know this, but they do actually have printed editions of the Bible these days. Uh, so whatever you're on, Genesis chapter 2. And if you want to, you can put a finger in Acts chapter 1. We're going to go there in just a moment. Uh, we are in, well, we're just kind of, we're just going to talk for a few weeks about the Holy Spirit. Um, something I think is uh, incredibly necessary, needed, and a priority in, in uh, the heart of God for you and I. The greatest gift he could ever give. In fact, last week, what did we talk about? Luke chapter 11, the end, he's talking about prayer. Jesus is talking about prayer. And the last thing he says in Luke 11 is, if you could give good gifts to your children, how much more would I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so here he is ending his prayer preaching and his prayer teaching by talking about the Holy Spirit. And so I want us to be a church understands the value, the importance, and the need for us to be close to the Holy Spirit. I will mention again, all in team night, uh, Wednesday, sometimes it's just about being in the room. If you're tired, beat up, worn out, it's about being in the room. I tell you, my greatest moments of when I've just made the decision to be in the room. So we'll do another one in December, most likely. Uh, at the end of the year, we do them three to four times a year, and that one will be more of like a Christmas bash, wear your terrible Christmas sweater, and, uh, and we'll be clanging cymbals together. Um, and, uh, but it's going to be a blast. So I encourage you to be there. And dinner party is going to be great. Some of you are thinking about doing it, so you need to do it. Just step out. All right, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, I find I can't get past, uh, I, I can't go any further without talking about Genesis 2. I think it's necessary, I think it's needed, I think it's important that Genesis 2 is something we understand. Because what you see in Genesis 1 and 2 is God presenting to us and, 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 and creating for us the ideal scenario for life. The ideal scenario for how we should live. So we pay attention to Genesis 1 and 2 to understand what God wanted for us as people on this earth. We don't look at it negatively. We don't look at it. We just go, okay, this is what God's desire was. It didn't happen that way because we can mess some things up, but this is his desire. So when we look at Genesis 1 and 2, we see God presenting to us what is the best way to do this thing called life. And so when I read Genesis 2, it's important for me to catch what is he trying to do when he's creating us. So here we go. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready? Okay, cool. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, set apart with purpose, for on it he rested from his work of creation. Too many of you are working and never resting, and too many of you are resting and never working. Okay, um, but we, we are meant to have this rhythm of working, 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 rest, working, 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 rest. If you work out like I do a lot, um, it, you realize that rest is also necessary for you to become what you're trying to become. You cannot work out the same muscle every single day in the same way and expect it to be restored and to grow and to become what you're trying to make it. You actually have to have Rest. Your whole life, body, mind, spirit are built that way. So if you are not prioritizing rest, what you are actually saying is, I don't want to be healthy. And, we said it already, it is also a way of us saying, God, I don't trust you to do with six days what I'm trying to do in seven. It's the same reason we don't pray in the morning. God, I got to get somewhere. I got to do some things. 
And we don't trust God if we would give him 10 minutes for him to do better with the rest of the day because we gave him the first of the day. Same with tithe. All of it is about health. All of it is about us being who God has called us to be, us living this human life in the best way possible. Okay, we should go to the part that we're supposed to be talking about. These are the records of the heavens and the earth, verse 4, concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. So here what just happened, again, this is ideal, right? This is what's intended. So no, nothing had sprouted, nothing had grown yet, because God hadn't sent the rain, and what else? Man hadn't been created to work the ground. In other words, this whole thing is meant to be partnership. It is not us going, God, do it all, and it is not God saying, hey, y'all get to work. It is us saying, how are we doing this together? God's going to make it rain because we can't, and then we're going to work the ground so that when those two things meet, we would begin to see things grow. The church that gets so spiritual, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, is not what God intended. God intended for us to bring heaven to earth, where the sacred and secular would meet. So when you're a businessman, you're not meant to be somebody on Sunday that you are not on Monday. They are meant to be combined. They are meant to work together. God will reign, and you will work, and those things will bring about fruit and growth. Amen? I'm giving you some little mini sermons in the midst of the real sermon. All right. So the man hadn't been created to work the ground. And this is verse 7. This is my, the favorite part. I even underlined it in my Bible because I'm a super Christian. Verse 7. Then the Lord God, I think super Christians are actually humble, so I feel like I've messed that up a little bit. Okay. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed. Everybody say breathed. And breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his lungs, and the man became a living being. Okay, you can go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So we see the beginning of life on earth happen a certain way, and then we go to Acts chapter 1 where we begin to see the beginning of church and the body of Christ done in a very similar and certain way. Okay, so we're going to read Acts 1, then we're going to jump to Acts 2 really quickly. Okay, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. But to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father is set by his own authority. Would y'all quit trying to get the details from God? Would you quit? Just stop trying to get all the times and places that he's going to work. For many of us, we're trying to get the details so we can qualify our decision. It is, it, it's not actually faith, it's research. Faith would be to say, regardless of the time and period, I am going to operate in power. Too many of us are relegating our condition of life and relegating our uh, charisma in life and relegating the way God moves in our life to the surroundings or the times and periods we find ourselves in, rather than being people who are empowered by God to affect the time and period we find ourselves in. 
And the church is not meant to, to be defined by or give in to the situations or times and periods it finds itself in, but is meant to influence and encourage and embrace and, 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 and lift Jesus up in the midst of the times and periods it finds itself in. Amen? All right. I just want to make sure because I should have, you should have just amen right away. Just, just, just giving you a hint. He said that it's not for you to know times and periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So regardless of the time and the period, you will be my witnesses because of the power I give you. We're going to get into this, but how many of us are blaming our surroundings rather than adjusting our spirit? How many of us are saying, well, if I was just in a better surrounding, I would be a better person? That sure does limit the effectiveness of God in your life, doesn't it? It sure does say to me that it isn't the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of my circumstance that brings about love and joy and peace and patience if we live life that way. Oh, come on, that was a good one. I just made that one up on the spot. Yes, I'm, ne- I'm, I'm trying to remind us that we are adjusting our posture here at C3 Fort Worth. We are adjusting. We are not waiting for a good thing to say something good. We are saying something good because we know it's already a good thing. Amen? We are rejoicing because we know the day is good. I can say that verse, rejoice in the Lord because he's made today. This is the day he's made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Did you know you don't get to wait till the end of that day to say that verse? So when, when we say the word of God, you just go, yeah. I'm not even sure I get it yet, but yeah. And in my yeah, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just grows. I'm telling you, let's adjust our posture. We are not back-footed, unthankful people. We are front-footed, vocal people because we got enough people talking enough stuff. We are just so full of opinions these days. Okay. Okay, Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. Now remember, what do we say? (laughs) Sudden things happen because of things that we've been doing continually. God suddenly moves when we've been continually offering our prayers. So just go check out Acts 1.14, you'll see that. When we will continually be faithful and continually pray and we will continually offer ourselves to God, he will suddenly move in our lives. Okay, sound like that of a violent, okay, sorry, together in one place, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. Okay, so we we start in Genesis 1, and we see, or Genesis 2, and we see the story of creation, God's creating the context for Adam's calling. God is always preparing a context. You need to stop worrying about your context, just worry about what he's called you to do. Okay, God prepares the context. And then he shapes Adam. He cre- Adam looked like Adam before Adam lived like Adam. Okay? We, he was a living, he was a man, but he wasn't breathing yet. And, and, and this is where many of us get caught up. We worry about our shape more than we worry about our spirit. We will get caught up in our surroundings, and we will get caught up in our shape, and we will forget the one thing that actually made Adam come to life was God's spirit. See, the, the word for breath there, and, and Bruce mentioned it, the word for breath is ruach, and, and the word actually means uh, wind or spirit. Now, I don't know if you remember, but we just heard another word, wind, right? Acts chapter 
2. Yes, we are going to begin to build some similarities between the two places. But Genesis 2, this is, I think, a foundational message that most of us need to hear. Okay, so Genesis 2, God breathes the breath of life into Adam. God breathes, in other words, the spirit of life into Adam. There is a wind that enters into Adam's lungs, and that is what brings life. So many of us are convinced that is the surrounding of our life and the shape of our life that brings the life that we want so desperately. We have become a culture that is great at building great surroundings and adjusting our shape, and we have forgotten what actually brings life is his spirit. So we have built the coolest coffee shops and the coolest museums, and we are amazing at aesthetics, and we have great surroundings, and we even are really good at posing. Man, I can't see. I mean, I don't, there's a pose that you do when you're posing for a picture. Girls, right? You know, you pick up one foot. Like, it's like, it's now the thing. You know your, you know your shape. If you want a good photo, you know the shape. Fellas, don't do it. Okay, but you know the shape. Emma's back there doing it. You know the shape of your life. And you, and you are convinced if we just build the better coffee shops, we just get a better shape, that we won't deal with depression or discouragement or suicide. And yet those things are on the rise on a daily basis. Anxiety has frozen people and stalled people out at a level we've never seen before, even though we are better than ever ever before at building great surroundings and adjusting good shapes. Because God never intended for the surrounding and the shape to be the thing that brought life. He always intended it to be his breath that brought life so that the shape could be animated and the surrounding could have purpose. It will not grow until someone who is animated by the breath of God comes over to grow it. And it will not come out of the ground until the shape has been given to spirit because your body and your life is meant to carry the spirit of God. Now, God loves beautiful things. God loves adjusting the shape. God loves creating and shaping good things. I believe that 100%. If you just go to Colorado or you hit the beach in California, you understand God loves beautiful things. God loves the shape of things. He, he, he actually did form, God took the time to shape Adam where he spoke other things into existence. And he shaped Adam out of the dirt. So God cares about that. He's not saying he doesn't care about that. We are meant to love the Lord our God with what? All of our, ourselves, including our body. We are meant to love him with everything we've got. And yet, he never said that the shape would be the thing that brings life. Far too many of us are depending on talent and gifting. Far too many of us believe that if we would just get better at what we do, that we would have a better life. And sure, there are things that come along with that, but the reality is, is I know a lot of successful people who have a down spirit. I, have, I know a lot of successful people who seem to have all the right surroundings, who in their life, in their spirit, something just isn't working. Because God did not intend for you to trust all of your life to your own abilities. God did not intend for you to trust all of your life to your surroundings or environment. God intended for you to be one who was animated by the breath of God so that you could walk into any of those places and do something with it. My grandfather used to say that talent can take you where character cannot sustain you. Anybody know that person? Anybody ever been that person? You try to do everything on talent, and then somewhere along the way, the character of your life, and remember, who's in charge of your character? The Holy Spirit. 
the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. How many of you know those are character words? Those are words of character. Those are words of peace. How many of you guys know someone who's really good at something but doesn't love well? How many of you know someone who's really great at something but has no joy? How many of you know someone who's, lo- lo- man, they are great at this, but they never bring any peace? How many, man, they are great. They got, man, how many of you knew that kid in high school who had all the talent in the world but no self-control? And the talent was wasted. Why? Not because they didn't have it, but because they didn't know that character and the spirit of God and the breath of God is actually the thing that sustains it and brings life through it. Amen? And so we depend on these things so often. We've gotten so worn out in life trying to adjust our own shape rather than letting God anoint our own spirit so that whatever the shape is, because I just want you to remind, I don't know if you, we did this the other day when we were in San Diego. We built some sandcastles on the beach. And I don't know if you know this, but sand and dirt are not always easy to build with. Like it doesn't always come out perfect. I love this picture. I love the picture of the idea that he built us with dirt. He built Adam with dirt. Like it wasn't this, I don't know if you, it's probably not quite what we would expect. It, maybe it isn't perfect, it, it's good, but maybe it's, not, maybe it's not everything we would expect it, but that doesn't matter because as long as his breath is in his lungs, that dirt's going to come to life. And regardless of the stuff and regardless of the misshape or regardless of what doesn't look exactly the way we thought it should look, God can use it to begin to cultivate what he is reigning on. But it starts where? With the spirit of God, with the breath of God. And, and, and it's important for us to understand. Because, because what happens in Genesis, what happens just shortly after Genesis 2, is the spirit of God fills the lungs of Adam, fills the life of Adam. And then what we see is sin begins to, to take the breath away. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't realize uh, how much I like breathing until I can't do it. Right, I'm pretty sure on the flight back from San Diego, once we hit the Texas border, um, my nose got filled up and my throat started hurting and I hated life all of a sudden. Like it blows my mind how much just having a bunch of stuff in my sinuses makes life terrible. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I don't like anybody. I don't want to do anything. I, you know, and there's no real good reason except wh- what's wrong? It's stuff in my nose. Like, that's what we're saying when we say allergies. There's stuff in it and stuff coming out of it, and I don't know what to do with it all, right? I, we saw a young boy yesterday at the playground, and uh, we saw a little boy fall, uh, not too high. He's okay, I think. Uh, he, he, we tried to help him, you know. But he, he fell, and he hit those, you know those ropes that really don't feel like ropes? They feel like heavy, just mean, angry, like, bars that are shaped like ropes. You know what I'm talking about? On playgrounds, they don't actually have any give whatsoever. And so he fell and landed just, like, right in his midsection on this rope and then flipped over and hit the ground. And he did one of those things. And you've ever seen a child do this? Oh, it's the worst because you don't think they're ever going to breathe again. They go, (gasps) And they're, like, for, like, 15 seconds. They're not doing anything. They want to cry. They're angry. But all they can do is, and they just do that. The whole, do you know what I'm talking about? You seen that? And they finally just go, ah! and then you're like, okay, wow. And they're like, well, I'm still not okay. I know, but you weren't breathing there for like 15 seconds. And I, you're like three. You're not supposed to do that. Um, and, and, he, and he gets up, and the first thing he says is, I can't breathe. And there's something about, I don't know, maybe you've gotten the wind knocked out of you, right? Interesting word, isn't it? You've gotten the wind knocked out of me. Sin took the breath out of us as a people. 
sin and the weight of trying to do life in our own power and in our own strength and in our own way has taken the life out of our lungs, the breath out of our lungs, the wind out of our lungs. And so we are trying to work it all on our own. And we are finding ourselves, while we might have things that represent success, we are finding ourselves exhausted or anxious or worried or frustrated or, 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 or we have an opinion about people or complaining about people or divided. Between. We just find ourselves in a place that is not what God intended because Genesis 1 and 2 is what God intended, is that we would would breathe and cultivate the earth that he's put us on. And instead of cultivating it, we are complaining about it. And instead of cultivating it, we are too tired to work on it. And God wants to breathe his breath in our lungs that we might walk into the purpose God has for us. Because in Genesis 1 and 2 and in Acts, we find a context for him to breathe his spirit. Amen. And so we find ourselves tired and sin has, and what we should be as the church is not a bunch of people going, I can't breathe. We should be as the church, a bunch of people walking into our city, city bring, bringing breath into our city. We should be bringing a wind in the sail to our city. We should be people who are walking into our streets, the places we go, and walking to the hearts of our city, the people we meet, and helping them see Jesus and get breath back in their lungs. And we don't do that like, like uh, what Kristen referenced. We don't do that by walking through the gate and like Peter and John offering silver and gold. No, Peter and John go, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. And so many people are hoping that silver and gold will feed the need, but it won't. It will just simply maintain the situation. What they need more than anything is something that will uh, overcome and, and, and defeat and bring healing and life into a situation. This is not denial, it is confession. Denial and confession are two very different things. Our confession is in the midst of our situation. Denial is saying the situation doesn't exist. And so believers are not meant to be people who deny the situation. They are simply meant to be people who confess heaven on earth. This is good. God wants to use us. Isn't that awesome? God, but he only does it when he's in connection to us. Because what happens in Genesis 2 and what happens in Acts chapter 2 is something required there in both of them, and it is nearness. If I had Mr. John McCurdy stand on the other side of the stage and I went, <gasps> I don't think <gasps> would affect him very much. I don't think he'd smell my breath. I don't think he'd know what I had for breakfast. I don't, I don't think he would wonder why I'm breathing on him. I don't think he would, he'd just wonder why am, he, why am I over here puffing and you know, why am I doing that? I don't, you know. And when they teach you CPR, it's interesting. They don't say, hey, stand six feet away from the person who is needing life and is dying. And I want you to stand six feet away from them and try to resuscitate them by just <laughs> blowing on them. What does it say? He says, get close enough that you could breathe into their lungs. This is the ideal thing. God wanted to be so close to you that the way he brings life to you is by getting so close and so near. So what you do is not based upon what you work out. What you do is based upon what animates your life. What is animating your life? What is bringing action and movement and motion to your life? Because it is intended to be the breath of God. Acts chapter 2, the same way. These people were smashed into a room. They were praying. They were seeking God. They actually listened to Jesus and didn't leave Jerusalem until they got, because 
Remember, Jesus says, don't leave. What is he saying? Don't go do what I've told you to do until I've shown up with the gift I promised to give. So many of us are onward and upward. We are, hey, I'm just going to go do it. I'm just going to make it happen. I had this big moment in church. I'm just going to go. And God's going, yeah, I want you to have a vision for your life. I want you to have a vision for what you're called to do. But that is not the priority. The priority is that you get so close to me that when you try to go after the vision, you have got an empowerment and you've got a breath in your lungs and you aren't going to wear out and you aren't going to get worn down and you're not going to get burnt out and you're not going to give up and you're not going to quit. Why? Because you have breath in your lungs and it's not from you. It's from me because you've stayed close. That you would get so close that I could just go, and you're good again. You get so close that I send a wind. Isn't that interesting? Wind and breath. Same meaning, same purpose, same desire. A wind in your sails, a breath in your lungs, so that when I get close to you, when you're in a sailboat and you want wind in your sails, you have to move that boat into a place where that wind normally blows. You have to get into a place where that wind is going to take you. You have to get yourself into position or maybe we should say posture so that when God breathes, you step. When God breathes, you step up. When God breathes, you lean in. When God breathes, you go because he is now animating the shape he's made for you and the context he's created for you so that when he reigns, you cultivate and we begin to see growth and life in the things that we're doing. See, some of you don't think that where you work or the kids you take care of or the street you live on or the people you're related to, you don't think that's spiritual. You, you, you don't think that's something to be cultivated. And yet God's going, no, 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 I'm reigning on the earth. And what I need are believers who have breath in their lungs, who would breathe on other people, who would get so close to other people that they could breathe on them, that they could bring wind in their sails. The church should be the place where more and more sailboats get on the water and go where they were intended to go because the church is breathing and moving and walking with God. The only real difference between these two, because what you find in the creation story is you find a new thing. This is a new earth. It's a new deal. God has just created something from nothing. Isn't that awesome? You don't serve a God that has to have something. He created it from nothing. He created it. Made it happen. And in Acts chapter 1 and 2, you find a persecuted people who just saw Jesus rise from the dead. There 500 people seen it. Then there's a bunch of people who testify to it. And all these things are happening. And they're being persecuted. And they're being beat up. And they're being uh, marginalized because of their belief and trust in Jesus. I don't know if you understand this, but the church was marginalized when it began. So when you look at marginalized people and you say you don't matter, you, you, you are actually taking yourself out of the place that the church started in. The church started in a place where people looked down upon them, where people thought they were crazy. That people thought, what are you doing believing in this Jesus? But the cross and the resurrection of Jesus had said it's new again. It's new. Okay, Genesis 1, new. Acts 1, the Gospels, new. And then what does he do after new? He breathes. So the only real difference that you find in Genesis 2 and in Acts 2, the only real difference is that in Genesis 2, he breathes on a person. He says, it's up to you, Adam. It's on you. No pressure, but it's all on you. In Acts chapter 2, he breathes on a people. 
He breathes on a people of God and says, it is now up to y'all, as we say in Texas. It's not just up to you. It's up to all of you. It's not up just to one of you. It's not just up to the dude who gets up here and preaches or the guy who gets up here and sings or the woman who does this or the guy who does that. Or the, it's not just up to the one person. Let's quit blaming the one person as though not any of us have any responsibility to do it better. How about we are all brick by brick, as Ephesians says, being placed to become the temple and the dwelling place of the Lord. The dwelling place of the Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's? One of his primary jobs is to unite us in Christ. To bring us together. So when we reject unity, when we reject community, what we're actually rejecting is the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to bring us into a place where God breathes through his people because he breathed life into the body of Adam. But what he does in Acts chapter 2 is breathes life into the body of Christ. And it is the body of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, walking in step with him, that is going to bring Jesus to every street and to every heart. It is the body of Christ, in animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is going to bring life to every street, is going to bring life to every avenue, is going to bring life to every place that we go. It is the body of Christ, animated by the Holy Spirit, that is going to bring power and strength into every heart and to every person. And for some of us, just like in Acts chapter 2, we need to get our breath back. We need to get our wind back. We need to get that, 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 that breath back in our lungs. We, maybe we had a season or, or, or a stretch of time where we felt like we got punched in the gut and we just, and we just can't seem to do anything. And God's going, that wasn't my intention. My intention is that I'm so close to you that I'm breathing into your lungs. Quit blaming your surroundings. Quit trying to adjust your shape. Just get so close to me that I can breathe into whatever shape you got so that I can change whatever surroundings you're in. Because I have called you to live above the fray. I've called you to live above every situation of circumstance. You don't get joy because it's all good. You get joy because I'm with you. You don't love people because they're all good. You love people because I'm with you. You don't have kindness because they've been nice to you. You have kindness because I'm with you, because I'm shaping you, because I'm breathing in you. And you are actually empowered to do what I've called you to do in the place that I've put you to do it. So who needs their breath back? Who needs the wind back in their sails? Who's the person willing to go, I'm just a, just a lump of dirt, man. Yeah, but I shaped you. I know, but this, I, I shaped you. Yeah, but I don't, I've shaped you. It's not because you got a plethora of talents or because you don't think you have any. I shaped you. Let me breathe into you. Let me breathe the breath of life into you. You can keep running the rat race and you can keep trying to keep up with the Joneses. You can try to post better pictures and do all the stuff. You can try to do all the things that would somehow make you more valuable or valid and you will find yourself exhausted and worn out and you will find in 20 years, 10 years, five years that you realize this actually didn't do any, didn't do any good. Can it? Yes. Should it? Yes. But it doesn't start with the shape. It starts with the spirit. God wants to breathe into your life. And he wants to do it in community. See three Fort Worth? We gotta get our wind back. See three Fort Worth? We got streets to reach. We got dinner parties to start. Come on, some of you thinking about it? Do it. Do not be so afraid to fail. 
Do not get so concerned with the shape of your house that you won't host people at your table. Do not get so concerned about the surroundings that you won't let the Spirit of God use you regardless. We want to start hundreds of dinner parties. Kristen was saying Fort Worth, then she said Tarrant County, and I'm telling you, my vision for this church just like, whoa, it just got a lot bigger. Like, it just got a lot bigger. So I hope y'all are ready. But I'm not doing it because I think our shape is perfect, and I'm not doing it because I think our surroundings are perfect. I do it because I think, I believe the Spirit of God is in us, and he can use our shape to affect our surroundings. And I'm not going to despise the place he's put me. I'm not going to blame the surroundings of my life. I'm going to lean into the spirit of God so that regardless of where I am, I can make a difference. Some of you need a second wind. Some of you need the dream to come back to life. Some of you need to stand up taller. Some of you need to know that God is with you and for you, and he wants to breathe into your world in a way you've never experienced before. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you're for us. I thank you that C3 Fort Worth is a place where we want to see Jesus on every street and every heart. But we will not do that because we are just so talented. We will not do that because we are just so gifted. We will not do that because we just got the coolest shape and the best shape. Lord, we will not look across the way and go, well, I like that shape and I like this thing. And I will not be a Christian who continues to blame my surroundings for our situation. Can I just say this? I know we're supposed to be praying. If you continue to blame the surroundings, then don't expect the surroundings to ever show up where you are. If you continue to blame the situation and the things and the people and all this stuff, then guess what? They ain't ever showing up at your table. The surroundings are neutral. I'm not saying the enemy's not trying to use them. I'm saying that the surroundings themselves, we need the Spirit of God so that we can discern that. So that we walk into a place and not blame the person, but blame something else and begin to fight against what the enemy is trying to prevail in. Lord, I pray for every person here. And I know right now, I know it. Because there is a, a new thing happening in our church. There is a new thing happening in our church. And we've said this before, I, and I've always believed it. And it's not just a new thing, like as in this is day one. I believe it's a new thing as in it looks different maybe than what we've expected. And it looks different than maybe the way church has always been done. It's not, there's a new thing. But God, we will not do it. We have our shape, and I'm thankful for it. We have our surroundings, and I'm thankful for that. But God, there is nothing we will do, and there's nothing we want to do outside of your breath and your spirit in us. And so much of it is built on the idea that every person in here, being a brick in the wall, being a brick in the body of Christ, being a, being a part of what you're doing, has dreams and desires. They're great entrepreneurs. They're creatives. They're designers. Their husbands, their wives, they're looking for husbands and wives, their parents, maybe not even to their own kids. They just love other kids so well. God, there are dreams and things, and things that they're going to be surprised by, but as they get breath in their lungs, they're going to get animated enough that they realize this life can be bigger than they ever thought. And what happens is, Lord, when we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit gets to work. The Holy Spirit is looking for people who would elevate Jesus so that he can begin to shape us, so that he can begin to breathe life into us. And so today, the question isn't really, do you want the Holy Spirit? The question is, will you lift up Jesus? Will you surrender your life to Jesus? Will you give Jesus everything so that the Holy Spirit can work with everything you've got and begin to breathe life into your lungs and begin to bring wind into your sails so you can get on with what God has called you to do and bring heaven to earth wherever you go and with whoever you go with? Will you lift up Jesus this morning? So if you want a second win today, lift up Jesus. 
If you want the first one, if you just don't, I mean, you've just been doing life. But you want, you want breath in your lungs, then give your life to Jesus. You want to live with a dream in your heart, give your life to Jesus. You want to step out into new things, give your life to Jesus. You want to see the, the area around you cultivated because you know God wants to reign. Give your life to Jesus. And he'll bring life to you. So if, you, if that's you and you go, I want the second wind. Or maybe for some of us, for the very first time, we're going, I need to give my life to Jesus because I've been doing this all on my own. And I want to do things that nobody thought I could do. I want to do things that nobody thought possible. I want to do things that blow the mind of people around me. If that's you today and you say, I want the second wind or I want to lift up Jesus, both are the same answer. Will you see Jesus lifted up in your life? If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. Would you go with me?